we've been blessed today by the presence of Brother Jim and Sister Lisa Kelly. Amen. I want them to stand. You might acknowledge them today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Great friends of ours, pioneers. Praise the Lord. So many ways. Over at NABC, a place where God is doing great things and continues to show himself faithful. As you would stand, praise the Lord, let us glean together today from the Word of God. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3, in your presence today I want to share verses 7 and verse 8. Verses 7 and 8. Wonderful, wonderful celebration last week in Mother's Day. Thank God for all the mothers sown so much into our lives shaped and molded us into the beings that we've become as many of you know we began this series weeks ago we just took a little break on last Sunday to focus on the blessing of mothers we started this series several weeks ago the war within conquering oneself we talked about the seven deadly sins or what uh, religious circles classify as cardinal sins, meaning uh, the worst kind. Now we know there, there, there are no categories of sin and that all sin is unrighteousness in the sight of God according to 1 John chapter 5. And the Bible tells us amen, that sin doesn't please the Father. As a matter of fact, it's very distasteful in the Lord. So I want to read today just verses 7 and 8 of chapter 3, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And they state, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. I want to share a thought. Purpose, not just profit. Purpose, not just profit. The sins of envy and pride. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that it's forever settled in heaven. We ask that your anointing, Lord, would rest over this place. Upon myself, your servant, as we attempt to minister your word among this body of believers. Lord, we pray if there's one lost soul in the midst of these four walls, they would be challenged with where they will spend eternity. Let he, the power of the Holy Spirit, convict their hearts. Bring them to repentance and confession. They may accept Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. Now touch your church, the body of Christ, today with your word. Lord, should any of these sins have taken root in our heart, they would be extracted and removed. In the powerful name of Jesus, God's church shouted amen. And amen. You might be seated in the Lord's presence. Purpose, not just profit. The sins of envy and of pride. There's some accounting principles. They're known as the GAAP, G-A-A-P. General Accepted Accounting Principles. And what they do is they refer to a common set of accepted principles or or concepts that both companies and their accountants follow when compiling every year their financial statements or organizing their financial statements. You might say, well, Pastor, what's 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 the purpose of these things? They show you the money. Amen. They show you the money. They show you where the money has been. And they show you where the money went. They show you where the money is now. And through a system of checks and balances, 
subtracting expenses from revenues provide what companies are looking for. And that is a total profit. They're looking for a total profit. Businesses die because ownerships fail to plan for the future. Are you with me, saints of God? We understand the great man of God that the Apostle Paul was. He was one of the greatest evangelists of the New Testament. The single largest contributor to the scripture of the New Testament. Prior to this, a man on his way up the political ladder. You think Paul knew anything about checks and balances? You think Paul knew anything about accounts? I believe in his writing that Paul, praise the Lord, is trying to reveal to us a spiritual application that we need to consider in today's text. He said those things, Brother Anthony, that I counted as gain or profit. I looked at them in a different perspective before Christ came The affection of my heart. Paul said, I counted those things loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, he goes on to say that he counted them as rubbish. That he may gain Christ. Now if we read a little further, he tells us in verse 9 that his desire is to be found in him. Be found in Jesus. Today, in the business world, CEOs are being asked questions about the impact that their companies have on society. You say, Pastor, I don't don't understand that. That's why they devise these marketing schemes to get their product out there. They want us, the consumer, to consume, to buy, which results in what? Profits. For the company. 40% of companies say that their goal is to improve society. Are you listening? But in my heart today, it's my faith that drives me to believe that as believers, we need to do some accounting. Help me, Lord. As believers today, I believe that we need to do a series of checks and balances. And we need to understand the condition of our own accounts, preach pastor. We need to live this life like the Apostle Paul, a man of purpose, a man of determination, a man of resoluteness. Amen. Preach pastor. Glory to God. And I believe one of the first things that we need to acknowledge is the debt Envy, the debt, envy. A debt is something that's owed or something that is due. Webster's defines envy as a a feeling of resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions or someone else's qualities. And another word that could be interchanged with the word envy is the word jealousy. Another word would be the word covetousness. A word that the Bible warned us about. And what we find in the scriptures is that a sin is a wrong attitude toward God and a wrong attitude toward God's word. Well, what does that mean? It means any attitude or any reaction of indifference, of unbelief or disobedience to the will of God. It is a sin. It's a sin. You say, Pastor, I, 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 I don't understand how that we're going to be blessed uh, by this series of messages uh, when they're talking about what the world has classified as the cardinal sin. Well, we established early that there are no categorization of sin. All unrighteousness is sin before the presence of God. And Brother Ted, no one is greater than the other. Even though at times we place more weight or leverage on certain sins than we do others, all of them are unrighteous acts in the very presence of God and therefore are looked at in the same light. We need to understand the debt envy. Wanting someone else's possessions. Coveting someone else's qualities. Praise the Lord. And the first 
biblical record of murder was prompted by the sin of envy. You say, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't understand. Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. This was her firstborn son. And then she bore again this time his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. We know the story that goes on to tell us, dear friend, that when Cain presented uh, this offering, it was not on God's terms. When Cain presented his offering, it was on Cain's terms. But thank God that Abel had, a glory to God, a presence of mind. Hello? He had a presence of mind to give from a heart that was devoted to God. And what did that mean? It meant that he didn't give on his own terms, but he gave on God's terms. The Bible declared, Brother Butler, that he gave what he gave the best. He didn't bring some non-satisfactory offering into the presence of God and expect acceptance, but he brought the best glory to God. Isn't that what God desires from you and I, that we bring the best? Look at Proverbs 14 and 30. Proverbs 14 and 30. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. A heart filled with attitudes, listen, saints of God, a heart filled with attitudes of bitterness, resentment, strife, hatred, and even envy will destroy a life of wholeness and a life of happiness. But I can tell you something else. It is also a very clear indicator that such a person that has allowed these attitudes to take root in their heart, such a person is is completely clear and distinctly obvious that such a person is not in fellowship with God. I've heard people say, I like them, I just can't stand their way. Somebody missed it. Somebody missed it. I, I love them. I love them to death, but I struggle with their ways. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. What did that mean? It means the old man is dead. Now, I, I don't expect you to embrace the idea that you're going to be an overnight sensation. It took us a while to become the rotten person that we were. But when Jesus comes in, something else has got to move out. When Jesus comes in, the Bible said, glory to God, in Paul's letter to Corinthians, uh, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And what? The old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new or made new. What I'm trying to say is, if we've had an encounter with Jesus Christ and we've accepted him through confession and repentance, amen, we have become new persons, new creatures, new creations, if you would, in the Lord. And it doesn't matter how long we were who we were. When Jesus comes in, things change. Glory to God, somebody. Hallelujah. So I can tell you right now that, that a person who has allowed these attitudes of bitterness, resentment, strife, hatred, even envy to enter their heart and life and take root there, they are not in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. It doesn't matter if you stand a hundred times in church and tell, I'm saved and I know I am. The Word of God through Jesus Himself said, you will know a tree by the fruit it bears. There are many other stories throughout the Bible where we see envy rear its ugly head. Uh, from Genesis chapter 25 through chapter 35, we find the story of Jacob and Esau. Who were they? They were brothers. Help me somebody. The word of God says this story about these two brothers centers around the very envy and jealousy over the blessing of the firstborn. Even the mother conspired with the youngest son 
to receive the blessing. Some of you are like, this didn't make it right. No, it was still a part of God's divine plan. It was still, did not, did not God tell their mother while they were wrestling in the womb that the older shall serve the younger? Sometimes we have a major problem with God, don't we? Sometimes we have a major problem with how God brings things about. With how God reveals his plan. It had already been revealed. So someone would say, why would their mother go through the great lengths to, 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 to deliberately scheme and use deceit to trick their father? It all played into God's masterful plan. I got to move on. We find later in the, in the Bible book of Genesis from chapter 30 to chapter 50, we find the story of Joseph and his brothers. Well, what happened here? It was a case of distinct favoritism that was shown by Jacob, their father. What are you trying to say? Amen. The Bible said that he gave Joseph, uh, the son he loved, a coat of many colors. Were his brothers excited? What were they? Jealous. Filled with envy. Joseph didn't help matters when he boasted about a dream that he had about his brothers bowing down to him. That didn't help matters, did he? But was it true? Of course it was. Do we have to gloat over matters of this nature? No. Did it happen? Of course it did. But they didn't recognize him. Why? Because their hearts rose in hatred and in anger against their brother. And they told their father by bringing that coat of many colors that was soiled with blood. They told their dad that he'd been attacked by a wild animal. Amen. And he was gone. Look at the scheming and deceit that role played in that incident. Did it grieve their daddy? You think any of those things came back to him that he and his mother had conspired against his older brother? Why don't we just trust God to be the God of his word? Why can't we just embrace the reality that God's going to bring it to pass and doesn't need our help? I don't know. But I want to tell us Joseph didn't make things any better by revealing this dream to his brothers and the fact that in the process of time they would bow down to him. Well, they did. Not even recognizing who he was. You've already stated it. They were filled with envy. Their hearts full of hatred for their own blood relation. These things are happening in our world today. But I want to report to you, saints of God, that envy is not an external problem. Envy is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. And what does it produce? Devastating effects. Envy produces devastating effects. The root of envy is a dissatisfied heart. Why do you think we even embrace the attitude of envy? Here's why. Because when we can't get what we want, oh my. When we can't get what we want, we have not yet learned to be content. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in. That didn't mean the United States either. He was talking about we, even when he was hungry. He was talking about when he was lacking of the bare essentials in life. He was talking about when he was in a state of poverty. Hello, saints of God. I've learned to be content. What does that mean? Satisfied. I was on my way to church one Wednesday evening and I saw a 1968 Dart that had a 426 Hemi. And the first thing flew out of my mouth was, boy, I'd love to have that car. When the Spirit of God checked me, Brother Jody, right where I was. And Brother Kelly, I had to say, no, no, no. Lord, I repent. That belongs to somebody else. That's what covetousness is. That's what envy is, desiring the qualities or possessions of another. Oh, glory to God. You might as well say amen or oh, me. 
We might as well fess up here right now in the presence of God Almighty. Have you ever desired something to belong to someone else? In a moment, the Spirit of God checked me, nephew, and I said, no, 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 Lord, I don't want that one. But God wouldn't like it would be nice. Hello, somebody. Praise the Lamb of God. I I had to check my cell phone yesterday. Y'all might as well hear me. I had to check my cell phone yesterday when I found myself envying Brother Marty's golf game. I I got to check myself. I I begin to think, Lord, if I could play like, well, Lord, I'd like to play like that. I don't want his game, but I want my game to be like, oh, God, y'all don't want to hear me. You you, you don't want to hear. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to check ourselves when we begin to desire both the qualities and possessions of other people. Because that's what happened with Joseph's brothers. That's what happened in the case of Cain and Abel. That's what happened in the New Testament when, 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 when the revival fires were, 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 glory to God, spreading throughout the regions and God was using various people in the ministry. What happened between Paul and Apollos? What happened? Uh, there, there were folks who, who had pledged their allegiance to the ministry of Apollos and, and others who would pledged theirs to Paul. And Paul said, listen, let's understand something. Glory to God. Even though we're all on the same team, we're, 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 we're holding down various positions. And what Apollos did was he planted. And in the process of time, all God enabled me to do was come along behind him and water. But one thing I've grown to understand is no matter what he did or what I do, without God, it can't flourish. Without God, it can't prosper. Without God, it can't produce the effects that God intended. We've lost our mind to believe that we're the last person God's going to use in our sphere of operation. God's grooming some young people in this church right now that's going to take ministry to the next level. I would be foolish to think that I'm going to be the last person that God uses to shepherd this church. I would be crazy to believe that. And anyone else would too. I don't care if you're singing the choir or play a musical instrument. You've lost what little mind you've got if you think you're the only one that God's going to use to do what you do. Praise the Lord. He has others. All this stems from the root of a dissatisfied heart. The reality I want to present to us today is that the struggle that we encounter is a struggle between our sin nature and our spirit. Praise the Lord. Look what Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20. Look what he said. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, hallelujah, but Christ lives in me. And the, listen, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The song said I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody. Paul said the old me perished. He died. He's done away with. For us to be effective, we have to crucify the old sinful nature. Christ now lives in us. Saints of God, it's Christ who empowers us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. And he strengthens us in this daily warfare that is continuously being waged in our life. Isn't that right? Could we do anything without the Lord? Anything? If he hadn't made breathing impossible, we would die in our tracks. Do you control your lungs expanding and retracting? Do you control every beat of your heart? Were it not for God, we could do nothing. We could do nothing. That's why we need to extract these sins that have attempted to take root in our heart. Look at Galatians 5 and 24. Paul's giving us some very helpful information. Galatians 5 and 24. 
And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Who are they? They're you and I, the believer, the saints of the living God. What is Paul saying in this verse? Paul is saying that the decisive battle is already won. Somebody say the battle is already won. I mean, you need to say it like you're convicted. The battle is already won. Are we in a war once in a while? But how many of you know that the battle has already been won? You might ask me this morning, Pastor Terry, how is that possible? It's possible by the Spirit of God. Well, what happened? The Bible makes it clear that the Spirit of God has captured the capital and it's broken the back of the resistance. Glory to God. The decisive battle is already won. Saints of God, you are not fighting to gain victory. You live in victory. It's my winning season. Oh, glory. Brother Jerry had better be careful. It used to be my Bible. Now it's my microphone. He was feeling anointed this morning. It's his winning season. I heard his voice change. When he, Brother Roy said, you can see it on video, you can hear it on audio. But when the power of God rests on an individual, there's a change. I could hear it in the changing of his voice. I could see it on his countenance. When the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowed him and he didn't act in his own uh, self. He didn't act in his normal way of behavior. But he was overwhelmed by the presence of God and he responded differently. Won't that happen to you in God's presence? You know how that can happen? Because you know you got the victory. That can happen because you know you're not fighting for victory. That happens because you know you have the victory. How many know you're going to keep the victory as long as you're anchored in Jesus Christ? Amen. The Spirit has already won the decisive battle. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, what do I do when I have the problem that I have with these sins? Amen. Don't run from them. Run them down. Amen. Drag them to the cross of Christ and nail them there. Amen. Because the Bible said, amen, he died for the sins of the whole world. He died for the sin of the whole wide world. Say, Pastor, how can I maintain this victory? By walking in the Spirit. Somebody, somebody say, show me how to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit, you must live in the Spirit. Preach, Pastor. I said, to walk in the Spirit, you must live in the Spirit. There has to be an understanding on our part as believers that we're not in this alone. That there's help in our corner. Brother Anthony, how can we do it outside of God? How can we love somebody who call us everything but a child of God? How can we exhibit the love that Jesus Christ had when he was nailed on the cross of Calvary, if not for God? How can that happen, Brother Harold, when people cut you off in traffic and shoot you that odd finger? How can it happen except that you live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit? I've heard Christian people say this, people going to press the wrong button. And they're going to see that side Jesus is still working on. Oh, glory. Help me, somebody. Let's keep this for real. We're all family here. Now, the Bible said, be ye angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. But it continues to say, and give not place to the devil. I won't give the devil in hell the satisfaction or the pleasure in knowing that he one-upped me. Do you hear what I'm saying? I won't do it, brother. I will not allow the enemy... To gloat around that he has brought me down. Are you listening? Whether it, see, too often what we do is we get upset at an individual who's wronged us. It's not the individual. It's that booger behind them that's pushing them. So if you want to get upset at somebody, get upset at the devil. It wasn't that person. They, weren't even, they didn't even know. They were not even aware that they were a puppet in the hands of Satan. And that he, you, sometimes all you got to do is just wag your finger at him. No. But God has made it clear the decisive battle has already been won. 
and victory belongs to us, the people of God. How do I keep the victory? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk denotes progression. It doesn't mean you're standing still. Walking means you're making progress in the Spirit of God. If we're walking the Spirit, it means we'll purpose in our hearts to live in the Spirit. Preach, preacher. Got to move on. The next problem that we may face is the debt pride. The debt of pride. Debt again is something owed or something that is due. One definition of the word pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. Another definition of the word pride is pride is deep pleasure derived from achievements. How many of us recognize we live in a secular humanistic society where people have arrived on their own? No one helped me with this achievement. No person assisted me in this accomplishment. That's when something swells up in my throat. And I begin to quote the word of God recorded in Psalm. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Hallelujah. I want to tell you we need to check our accounts. And make sure that we haven't allowed these attitudes or sins to take root there. Most often people want to begin by telling you that they've been church hurt. Everybody know what church hurt is? Somebody tell me in short definition what's church hurt. It's the worst hurt there is. If you've ever been hurt in church, it's the worst hurt there is. Lord, who hasn't been hurt in church? Who hasn't wanted to do something that leadership thought was a bit selfish? Preach, Pastor Terry. Who hasn't wanted to step outside of their area of calling and do something in another field that God, you know, hasn't called them to? And they were hurt. Sister Virginia registered, God bless her heart. She encouraged Don to sing with everything she had. She said, Don just joined the choir. Nobody won't know. You'll blend right. He said, Honey, I can't carry a note in a bucket. You've heard this story before. We attend a conference in, in, in a church affiliated with the assemblies and the gentleman leading the conference got up and said, for God's sake, if you cannot sing, do not try. And the man hunched his wife and said, that's what I've been telling you the whole time. But how many of you sanctified, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled believers would have been in his ear? The scripture said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's okay. Because she was leading the parade. His own wife. It's okay. Don't tell untruths to individuals. Because what it does is stroke their ego. If a person is not musically gifted, don't lie to them and tell them they are. Because the next thing they will do is approach me wanting to do a single. Or a solo. Preach, pastor. I got one song I want to sing this morning. Oh, Lord. We're trying to be a blessing to the kingdom. Anybody like Disney movies? Anybody in here like Disney movies? Man, there's one that sticks out to me. I could, I mean, I could just I mean, I actually got a surround sound home theater so I could get the full effect. What is it? The Lion King. Anybody like the Lion King? Man. It's like the third longest Broadway musical of all time but that movie presented a lot of valuable lessons that's why I enjoyed it so much 
It's a movie that taught us some unforgettable lessons about life and death, about envy, about betrayal, about greed and sibling rivalry. It taught us about leadership and respect. It even taught us about the pride of one's heart. Am I right? Anybody remember old Scar? Who was Scar? He was Mufasa's brother. Heart filled with envy and pride. So what does he do? He masterminds a plan to have Mufasa killed. Why? He realizes that if Mufasa is out of the picture, then the next heir apparent to the throne is Simba. And what does he want to do then? He wants to exile Simba from Pride Rock. Some of y'all, yeah, I mean, y'all going to go home and watch the movie after this. I can just look at you and tell. A lot of valuable lessons to be learned in the movie. Valuable lessons. Some of you stuck up on the hyenas. Say his name again, Mufasa. Ooh, Mufasa. I mean, that's, that's the only part you remember because it was comical. But it taught us a lot of valuable life lessons. Listen what, listen what C.S. Lewis said. Who is C.S. Lewis? He's a, he's a British writer and a lay theologian. What's a lay theologian? A theologian is a person whose educational background doesn't necessarily involve theology, the study of God. So he was considered as a lay theologian. What's he famous for? His most famous body of work is the Chronicles of Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Is that food for thought? Let me encourage you to know today that pride always results in destruction. Pride always results in destruction. Why? Because pride provokes our God to wrath. Look at Proverbs 16, 18 and 19. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Doesn't the Bible tell us that God hates pride and that God gives grace to the humble? Is that the word of God? Pride is when we have this excessive opinion of ourselves. You ever saw those individuals? You could just tell by the way they walked. That they thought no one else existed but them. Are you with me? Have you ever seen professional athletes who just walk with, what is it you, you young people call it? Swag. I'm sure young people call it swag. He just walked with a swag. There's nobody better. I said this to a group of men yesterday, and it bears repeating. I played with some gifted athletes. I've played with some pretty good people in various sports in my life. Baseball, basketball, softball, you know. I played with some pretty talented individuals. But I didn't, I, I, listen, I wouldn't care if I was playing with Michael Jordan. If the game was on the line, I want the ball. Yep, y'all ain't hearing me. I mean, is that comical to you? Seriously. I, I, I've played with some good, I, I played against ACC basketball players in, in, in my life. Played against some pretty talented people. Everybody get dialed in now. Tune out all the other frequencies and get dialed in. Focus right here. Focus right here. But when the outcome of the game was on the line, 
I thank God that I didn't feel any more confident in anybody else than in myself. Some of you looking at me like you got to be kidding. I wanted the ball with no time on the clock at the free throw line and the crowd going bananas. I wanted the ball. Maybe you're different. Maybe you would rather put the fate or the outcome in somebody else's hands. Well, guess what? Life has many parallels to that. And when my life depends on it, I'm going to trust my heart. I'm going to trust the God-given ability that He has given me before I would someone else. Amen. It might change the way you feel about me. But in the crunch, give me the ball. You see, I can live with failure because there's no failure that's final. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Hallelujah. What, 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 what about this thing called pride? Pride is the precursor. It's the forerunner of all other forms of sin. That's what pride is. It's the soil in which all manner of sin germinates or all manner of sin sprouts and it grows out of the attitude and the sin of pride. Pride causes us to be concerned with numero uno. It causes us to be more concerned about ourselves than we are the person of Jesus Christ and all that he has done. Amen. Proverbs 26 and 12. Listen to the word of God. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? But there is more hope for a fool than for him. What does that mean? Why is there little hope for this man? Because pride, listen saints of God. Pride puts a person beyond the perceived need for instruction and a proud heart is impervious to rebuke it's insensitive to conviction a proud heart pride even destroys influential people say pastor I don't understand pride leads only to destruction in my closing the Bible tells us in the book of Chronicles 2nd Chronicles 26 verses 16 through 21 the Bible tells us of an influential person whose pride brought about his downfall it's not the only person in the word of God that pride destroyed but this is an influential person it's King Uzziah of Judah what happened to King Uzziah when he was strong his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense so Azariah the priest went after him and with him were 80 priests of the Lord valiant men they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consecrated, who were set apart to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have transgressed, you've trespassed, you shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became what? Furious, He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And he was angry with the priest. Listen, while this attitude rose in his heart, the Bible said leprosy broke out on his forehead. And before the priest in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar, Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him. And there on his forehead, he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. 
What happened, saints of God? He was a leper until the day he died. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house judging the people of the land. What, what, what are you trying to tell me? What I'm saying is that Uzziah was so blessed this caused his heart to be lifted in pride. And because his heart was lifted in pride, he thought that he, Sister Lynn, could act as a priest and approach God directly. You know what happened? The priest informed him of his trespass against God. And while they were speaking to him, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Anybody know anything about leprosy? It was a horrible disease. The skin would ooze. It was not a pleasant sight or smell. Not leprosy. And what happened to lepers? They were commanded to remain X amount of feet away from other people because of the spreading of that disease. Am I right? And the Bible said, this man had leprosy till he died. So what does that say to us? What's that telling us, saints? He was unwilling to make amends for his wrong. He was not willing, Brother Jason, to openly confess that he had did wrong in the sight of God, which brought about this dreaded disease. Therefore, he was isolated from the people lived alone and died with leprosy died with leprosy now friend he suffered a terrible fate because he allowed pride to take root in his heart stand with me all over this auditorium would you would you please stand today instead of extracting those sins from our life would we rather live like Uzziah and die isolated from God, lost forever in eternity because of our unwillingness to allow God to extract these sins from our life? You might ask me today, how do I guard against those sins? How do I guard against the, the sins of envy and pride? Understand that our sin debt's already been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Understand today. You see, oftentimes we go out and get in large amounts of debt because we feel very positive. We feel very optimistic about our ability to pay it back. But what happens when we fall on hard times? And we can't meet the demand. It's embarrassing, but I've seen it happen more than one time. Where people are on the job working and recovery team comes out and takes their vehicle. It's embarrassing. But the truth of the matter is, when we signed that promissory note, we were very positive optimistic that we could meet the demand I want to tell you today in the house of faith that Jesus has already paid your sin debt with his own blood and there's nothing we can do hallelujah nothing Jesus has done it all can I beg you today Turn to Him and receive the great gift of salvation. Who would come? Who would come today? Who would come? Who's struggling? Jesus wants to give you relief. 
Come on today. Joy to us. 